This is Flipping Tables. Welcome to Flipping Tables, a podcast about technology, gaming, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I'm David Lyons. And today we probably will not do two episodes, but... Probably not. We can aim for one, like usual. (laughs) Yes. I think one a day is a good target. So we do have a little bit of follow-up before we get to the main event, which could be many things. Uh, Someone on Twitter shared with us another example of... So there's this really awful evolution and bad website practice that we've documented before, but there's been a new example of you click on an article, and before you even get to read it, it says, why don't you share it with your friends to unlock the rest of this article? Well, and what I think is interesting about this one is they are kind of taking the high road, and they're also offering the option to answer a survey question. But How is that the high road? It's the high road because you don't have to vouch for something you haven't read yet. Because I feel like when you share something, you're vouching for something you haven't read. Yeah, so it's, it, it it's impacts a, your credibility. Yes. So it's a less high or it's a less low road than that to ask someone a question. But the example question that this person has in their screenshot is, do you rent or own the place where you currently live? And that is kind of so it's like you can immediately see how these survey questions would be like personal and awkward. And it's like, I don't really want Boston.com to know. Whether no, I all of its own. affiliates it's, and all the companies it sells data to. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I've never answered a survey. I actually am part of a survey program, but it's like I don't want the newspaper to get in the habit of just being like, hey. Well, and that's what, different than like today? a what poll doing? that's relevant to the topic of the article. Right. Like, Which, have you ever watched <laughs> a Twitch video on an article about the recent purchase? Like, Yeah. That'd be one thing. Right, because it's relevant. There's a connection. And seeing as how the screenshot is of people fighting a flood, I don't think they really need to know whether I rent or own for me to read this article. <laughs> maybe neither anymore. Maybe I'm in a flood. Yeah, maybe I'm. Maybe that's me right there, hanging on for dear life. So yeah, I just this is this is a hard problem, right? Like the business of the internet because we don't want ads, but we don't want paywalls. We just want everything to be like free and magical in the Star Trek universe. And I know we're not there yet, and maybe we never will be, but I like that we're getting all these bad ideas out of the way. <laughs> like, hey, here's, here's a terrible idea. It doesn't work. Okay, no, let's never it's do that like again. It's like evolutionary dead ends. Like, yes. We tried 17 legs, didn't work. Only yeah. certain insects can pull it off. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're not all millipedes. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like the share thing is never going to work because I'm never ever going to want to share something before I know what I'm sharing. Now, that being said, the reason they probably came to this conclusion is we know from comparing shares and click-through and read rates and time on page that people do share crap after like the sentence or the the you know right. the title and then like the, the topic sentence. Sometimes just the title. Yeah, so I mean, the newspapers and these blogs and websites and whatever are kind of just like, well, you're already doing it. We're just encouraging yeah. you. But I mean, that's then they're enablers. Like, then they're pushers. Like, hey, you know that terrible habit you have? This you know how you smoke? Here's some cigarettes. This way lies <laughs> madness, internet. Stop it. Yes. 
Um, the other piece of follow-up is uh, another listener uh, shared with me uh, on the topic of robot baseball and just <laughs> weird baseball of the future. That This has been a fascinating a topic that comic book artists in the middle of the 20th century were very fascinated by. Maybe as baseball was even more culturally dominant than it is now. I don't feel like baseball has gotten less popular. I just feel like more other things have gotten Got, popular yes. alongside I, it. I think that's the right way to put that because, like, football, American football, <laughs> and uh, and then worldwide, you know, soccer or football, they, uh, they have definitely seemed to have cropped up a lot more. Like, when I was a kid, I don't really remember anyone talking about football you know soccer <laughs> and now i all these people just like came yeah. out of the woodwork people i've known for years and they're like oh i've always loved soccer i'm like i don't think you did but okay <laughs> but some he uh this listener shared some images with us that uh i think were pretty hilarious and one of them is the cover of like a it's like an amazing story style but it's not called that it's like let me look it up real quick that, that kind of like like Amazing sci-fi oh, adventures. Yeah. The Brave and the Bold presents strange sports stories, and then the cover <laughs> is the challenge of the headless baseball team. So there's like it looks like you know like Kevin Bacon, Hollow Man, like invisible <laughs> players. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, one of the best was a screenshot. I think it's from the same. Yeah, it is from the same issue, and it shows like this invisible batter up to bat and this human pitcher, and his little thought bubble just says. Uh, I've got to make every pitch count for somehow I know that the safety of the entire world <laughs> hangs on this baseball game. <laughs> no, no, the internal monologue of no person at any point in history has ever included the phrase for somehow. <laughs> That's something you only say. No one, yeah. no one ever thinks for somehow I have to get milk and still be home by 530. <laughs> you just I want to meet the person who thinks like that because how eloquently must they speak if their thoughts are that posh? Yeah. Uh, also shared with us was a, a shot from a, apparently a DC Comics Batman baseball issue. So that just looked like a lot of fun. <laughs> Superman and Batman and the Joker and everyone running around trying to agree on rules to a game they can all break. And, all right. So tell me if you had this reaction just now, because I didn't see that screenshot. So I'm glad to know that that exists. <laughs> but just now when you describe that, my first thought was like, well, that sounds completely stupid. Superheroes <laughs> playing baseball together. But then I immediately followed that up with like all of the Mario sports games. Yeah. <laughs> it's really stupid. Yeah, it's really, really stupid and really fun. and what uh is it Miyamoto the creator of Mario? Yeah. Didn't he's like they he said at some point that all of the Mario adventure games are kind of like stage plays and then them like playing sports and stuff together is like their real life. Oh, I've never heard this. It's, I'm I'm sure that I'm butchering this quote, but it's so they're all like friends that yes, <laughs> act. pretty much because it, it does two things. One, it puts all the games in the same universe and gives them like a continuity that makes some sense. <laughs> and two, it explains why the same story keeps because nobody cares what the story of yeah. Super Mario Brothers is. But the story is the exact same story every time. Bowser kidnaps the princess. Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Yoshi go rescue the princess. There have been a few, like, kind of 
switch ups, but not really. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you and I would discount like Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario because those are like non Mario canon. Right, so they should have some like real life Mario someday, and like one of the actors dies, and they're all like Ooh. sad, and it's all like real world Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Every okay, so you're a Nintendo, like you're a big Nintendo fan. How would you feel about a gritty Mario? And I don't mean like one that was gritty just for the sake of being funny, but I mean like an actual like like it wasn't Saints Row Mario. <laughs> exactly. Yes, no purple dildo bats. <laughs> yeah, but like a like a serious interpretation of the Mario universe. I think it it's a bad fit. I don't think it, it makes sense. It does seem like a bad fit. Especially because as soon as you try and add things like death and blood and stuff, it's like, well, now these are just humans cosplaying as Mario characters. This is no yeah, longer the Mario I'm sure universe. there'd be a lot of curiosity. It would be met with a lot of interest, but I just think it's a bad idea. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> okay, done. That conversation over. On, on there's there's so many gritty <laughs> games. Why do we need another one with Mario? Well, it seems like... The because uh, I'm a big Disney fan as well as a big Nintendo fan, and it seems like uh, Mario, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, and yes, I know Bugs Bunny's Warner Brothers, but you know, <laughs> like these um, really wholesome, flat color characters, like they are always the target of like, oh, what if they did a gritty Michael Bay style reboot with lots of explosions and gunshots <laughs> and stuff? And it's like it's Mario diving like Max Payne, around the yeah, corner. super slow mo. And oh man, could you imagine the like Yahoo in like like twenty times slowed down speed? And be like, <laughs> you know, now we have to share those whatever amazing artist did like realistic Mario, and he's all like fat and sweaty and gross. Yeah. And, like, well, there's I mean, there's lots of those. There's, yeah. I've seen the one where it's the Mario face from the Mario sixty four title screen, like that kind of angle looking up, and like his eyes are way too big, and his nose is like terrifyingly bulbous. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, he's a cartoon character. <laughs> I think that guy also did like realistic Jessica Rabbit and okay. like a couple other, you know, because I mean, her proportions are impossible. She's yeah. like a Barbie. She would never work. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't think it's, I think when you take something that pink and sprinkly and sugar coated and you make it gritty, it's so removed from the thing. It's not a gritty interpretation of the thing, it's a different thing wearing. Mario clothing. Yeah, I'd rather someone, if they were going to twist Mario around, which actually Nintendo has done on some of the like Mario and Luigi games, is you do like an Animaniacs where you bury adult humor <laughs> or adult concepts into the cartoon, but you don't change the wrapper to be all gritty. Yes. And that, see, the like hiding adult themes kind of underneath, I think that's a smart thing to do because you get people into the colorful silliness and then as they get older and they like oh that was a political joke or oh that was like a racial joke i'm surprised that was in there or, i'm gonna have oh, to link to the animaniacs prince joke yeah oh <laughs> oh my i yes. won't spoil it <laughs> so that's how we, we got there from baseball we did <laughs> We did. It's because well, you said about the Batman. Oh yeah, com- yeah. So we'll share out <laughs> these these hilarious mid twentieth century comic book screens. Is this screens. like? <laughs> is this when back when Batman still had uh, the bottom of his cape was like super pointy? 
Maybe. You can get a really clear idea of what generation of Batman it is if it's pointy blue cape. Yeah, I think there's some blueness. Yeah, if it's pointy black cape, that's like the 90s animated series Batman. You don't see any cape in the screenshot, but he's okay. definitely blue Batman. Like Yellow around the bat symbol? You don't see the front of Batman. <laughs> he's up at bat on the screenshot. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that that's like those little nods are how you can tell. It, actually, one of the newer Batman cartoons, The Brave and the Bold, they very much gave him that like classic gray, blue, yellow around the back. So basketball. that's what the sports series is from, Brave and the Bold. <laughs> so, oh, is it? Yeah, so maybe that it's yeah. no coincidence. So I think uh, I have to throw a quick mention out to this. So, you know, we ask our listeners to – you know, give us ideas about things from time to time. And one of them just last night was like, well, the Emmys are on tonight. That'll give you something to talk about. (laughs) And I don't watch regular television. Like I watch television shows, but I stream them. And so I I get away from surfing. And to me, like the Emmys is something I would watch if I were surfing and be like, Oh, the Emmys are on. I would leave it, but I don't really care. And I'm not like, I'm not bragging. I just, it's just award shows are not my thing. And as soon as I replied to him and I was like, here's my summation of how I feel about the Emmys. I don't care about the Emmys. Then like five seconds later, you retweeted a ton of people complaining. An avalanche of people (laughs) that care about the Emmys. Well, not just that they care, but whatever area all these people were in, there was a tornado warning. And they were pissed at the ABC station. There was nine news. It was actually NBC. So like every 30 seconds – There'd be boo, 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 <laughs> and then it would like last for like 10 seconds. So I was mainly like, I wanted to watch the intro because it's Seth Meyers. He's going to tell jokes and make fun of people. And like half the punchlines were just covered up by boo, boo, boo. <laughs> and so Twitter was filled and flooded with because i just searched at nine news and there was just like dozens and dozens of people going hey stop ruining this hey stop it so this is the thing i i get where they're coming from on like a surface level i mean they're trying to tell you you may have to huddle and take shelter i thought it was just a thunderstorm morning I, th- I saw tornado warnings. Well, the, the I mean, it's Twitter. So the story that came out is that's apparently what the FCC requires is that you have to do the tone with your warning. See, but I, I mean, does a thunderstorm necessitate interruption of regular broadcast? I mean, it rains. It's summertime. Yeah, that's it, why I thought it like was, a tornado. Warning. It was supremely annoying, but it also <laughs> said it was going to go to six thirty, and then after about like six ten, it was gone. And I was like, yeah, I see money wins out. Yep. Yeah. Well, if it was a thunderstorm, that's then it, I I agree that it's stupid because okay, it's going to rain, so whatever. But I mean, tornadoes are genuinely dangerous. People actually need to be made aware if there's Can there tornado. Be, like even if you have to have a tone, does it have to be a six second muting of the show that covers it up? No, it does not. <laughs> Could it be like one second? They should just have Seth Meyers read. <laughs> he pauses joke and say, "Hey yes. guys, tornado warning in Denver." But only so sorry, rest of the world that's watching this. But Denver, <laughs> and then you could just have like a little book, like in Nebraska, it's very cloudy. Watch out for that. <laughs> San Diego, you're <laughs> he doing just fun. does weather. Yeah, just <laughs> that's just his whole bit. And then harmony—that's synergy—is what that is. But yeah. So I thought that that was 
If you didn't do that on purpose, the timing was just incredible. I retweeted way too many people, but I wasn't actually that angry because I was like, I can watch this later on YouTube or Hulu or something. Yeah. I watch his intro. I watch Weird Al sing songs. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but more than anything, internet television for me has ruined timed programming. Yeah. Because I don't mind watching ads. Like, I use Hulu. I don't mind that there's ads. That's fine. Then I don't have to pay. Like, that's totally cool. But... Saying you have to watch this show at this time on this channel, unacceptable. Like, I, just, I can't ever go back. I think it's funny is the, the rise of, like, live events, like, an Apple or Google keynote. It's like, you don't, you could always read summaries later, but you're like, no, let's watch it live. But then, like, television in general is like, no, I'll watch this anytime I want. Yes, <laughs> but I would say the difference there is... I want to watch it live because like an Apple or a Google keynote is like deeply interesting to me. But if I couldn't watch it live, I wouldn't care. Yeah. Whereas like a sporting event or an award show, like I've asked people, they're like, oh, the Emmys or the Oscars or whatever is going to be on. And I'm like, oh, why don't you just watch it a different time if it's not convenient for you to watch it then? And they're like, oh, it's not the same. I'm like actually it's exactly the same. It's a recording. So this is all a direct segue into <laughs> – Twitch, but we could take a detour to Slack first if you want. No, I think we should go straight to Twitch. Okay. Dear listeners, <laughs> Twitch was purchased by Amazon. Do you know what Twitch is? Twitch is a streaming game website. So gamers use Twitch software to stream themselves playing PC or now console games. Xbox One and PS4 have Twitch built in. True. Yeah, you've done some uh, Twitch streaming. Yeah, I tried it out early on. haven't done it in a long time, but... <laughs> And if you're thinking, why would someone want to watch someone else play a game? You're crazy and you're wrong because it makes just as much sense as any other sport. Yeah. Yep. But I've seen a lot of internet people like, well, I don't want to watch someone play a game. Also, you used the word sport to refer to video games. Yes. Yes, you did. I mean, maybe. I they, mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Maybe not all of them reach the competitive, interesting level to be called a sport, but StarCraft sure as hell is a sport, <laughs> and I don't. I think you're an idiot if you think otherwise. Yeah, this is this is a conversation for maybe another time, unless you want to totally derail the switch. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but I think the sport game verbiage is an interesting thing. But this, is, so Twitch, um, like I didn't know about Twitch for a long time. Like it was out for quite a while before I, I became familiar with it. And every time someone says, like, oh, that's so stupid, why would you want to watch another person play a video game? I think, I spent my whole childhood doing that. Because, <laughs> because a lot of games that I played as a kid, SimCity, Final Fantasy, Soul Blazer, Link to the Past, like, these are not two-player games. So my best friend and I at the time, we would sit down and... No longer a best friend. <laughs> Now, it's actually a really sad story, oh, but it turned out it. he's a huge dick. So <laughs> um, I hope he's happy. But, yeah, we had a, a crappy falling out. It was the very stereotypical, like, going away to college and then, like, friendship over. <laughs> but Okay, I have one of those. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it happens. It sucked. But, you know, we, we would play these games, and they're not two-player games. So, like, we would literally, like, he would play for an hour – and then I would play the same game. Sometimes the part I just saw him play or, or vice versa for an hour and then like we would switch back and forth. So the idea of sitting and watching someone else play video games is not only part of my childhood, but like now in my adulthood, Susan is a big fan of the Lego games. Um, 
and like right now she's playing through Lego Lord of the Rings, which has like beautiful music and this well, amazing. Just relaxing scenery. to exist in the room with. Yes, <laughs> and exactly the, that. And the cinematics are hilarious. They are really cute. <laughs> and the the some of the newer ones like Lord of the Rings have dialogue pulled right from the movies, which makes it like a little more fantastic. But then like the little cutesy way they do things. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that thing was so like majestic in the film. It's just this little goblin doing one like, thing. Yep. His little Lego arms. <laughs> but it's like I I cannot tell you how many times she's asked me like what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want you to play video games and I just want to be nearby. Like yeah. I don't want to watch a movie. I don't want to like read a book. I just want to be with my wife, and I want you to be playing video games. Like. I didn't mean to imply there were goblins in Lord of the Rings. Okay, just want to get that out there before we get complaints. Before you get so, the, yeah, the I think there's blast. lots of very easy-to-understand reasons why someone would sit and watch someone else play a game. Maybe you just want to see what a game is like before you buy it. Maybe, and there's so many games now that the gaming press isn't going to keep up with them, so you need the masses to do it. Um, or maybe you want to see a professional play a game, like... You know, I, I enjoy StarCraft, but I like watching someone who's amazing at StarCraft, who is clicking 700 times a minute. Yeah. And seeing them, like, manage, like, 300 units at once, like, moving around different obstacles. And they're like, how do they do that? Well, and you actually, you're making me realize that watching someone else play a video game which has no real bearing on life and doesn't really contribute to anything or detract from anything. It's just like a pleasantry, a form of entertainment. Really isn't that different from watching somebody play a sport. Yeah. Because whether or not you consider a video game a sport, sports are definitely a type of game. So watching someone else play football is tantamount to watching someone else play a video game in my mind because you're both – in both instances, you're deriving enjoyment from observing someone else play a game. Just like there are people who watch other people play chess. So, and I or saw poker. the World Series of Poker is huge. So, I have a someone on the internet was wrong thing to bring up. Ooh, these are always exciting. <laughs> this never happens. Um, someone was trying to argue that in sports, since it's real life, an unquestioned term, anything can happen. There are infinite actions for the, the player in the sport, which isn't even true. Nope. But. Um, <laughs> Unless you just count like the way the where the place you put your foot differing by <laughs> yeah. millimeter is a different choice, but I don't. Uh, yeah, it was such an absurd argument, but he was so determined to make it this troll that I decided to get angry about. But <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is that a criteria anyway? Like, and also chess, not unlimited moves. Nope. People not, watch that. Yeah. It's also real life. <laughs> but yeah, this. Have you ever heard the analogy um, gamers like to – I should say um, traditional hardcore gamers like to throw at people who got into gaming later and play like Madden or those kind of games? The analogy that they like to throw at them is that they don't realize they're playing an RPG. It's like you're managing a party. Yeah, they have bro stats. RPG. <laughs> you buy them equipment. Yeah, it is, it's bro RPG. So – to, and like fantasy football or fantasy baseball that you play on like Yahoo Sports or whatever. I don't know. But like that's also – you're basically playing Dungeons and Dragons but themed yeah. for football. Like, and I mean my dad always bring up Stratomatic Baseball, a board game from the middle of the 20th century. Just like – just full-on role-playing stats-based baseball. Yeah. 
And and I'm I'm perfectly willing to look at this the other way and say, oh well, maybe Dungeons and Dragons is just fantasy football, but in a fantasy setting. Except it's not because <laughs> it came first by like seventy years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but this is good. Like I think gaming is a good thing. Like. I don't want to gamify everything, but, like, I like games. There's nothing wrong with playing games. Games are good. Yeah. And I do think that what you said, that that people are like, oh, no, f- you know, football or soccer or baseball or whatever, like, that's different because those are real people and I'm watching real people do real things. Like, eh. There's real people playing the video games. <laughs> Actually, sometimes they're Some, programmed. Sometimes it's bots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also still interesting because, I mean, to me, like watching a tool-assisted playthrough of a game is like watching an animated movie. Like it's not real people, but it's still interesting to watch. Yeah, or like you watched a guy that set up a million dominoes. The dominoes falling is not a human playing a game, but no. it's that's still cool. something that was set up in a range that's interesting to watch. Right. And, I mean, I think if you have any doubt that this is a big deal, I think it was almost a billion dollars that Amazon's paying for it. $970 million. Yeah. And that is not stock options. That is cash. Yeah. They're so going to write them a check. That's the price Amazon thought it was worth, which, you know, you can always argue with these that maybe they're, it's a weird time and they're overvalued or something. <laughs> I saw someone referred to it as one Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> But there are single hosts of Twitch channels that make more than a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So Ads and donations, right? You can do through Twitch. Yeah. And so, I mean, these definitely are way on the side of cult of personalities. But that's how big gaming is now. It's right. not teenage boys playing Super Nintendo while their mom yells at them to do their homework. It's, it's still that, but it's more. Yeah, it did, we didn't lose teenage boys being yelled at to do their homework. We gained everyone else. And yeah, it's just I just don't get the like the cultural bias that's still with us, even though all the gamers from the '80s are now in '30s and for I guess half of us aged out and decided to be like, no, I don't game anymore. But I think a lot of those people who would claim they aged out probably play like Candy Crush. Or solitaire on or, their crappy yeah, Windows computer. The things work. they do play all the time, they for some reason don't count as games, right? Because it's not a triple A. There's no commercial it's not for Call it of Duty, on television. Which, yeah, thank God, because we don't need more Call of Duty players. And this, this is, I think, as a kind of a meta thing to this whole discussion. I think what I find most personally satisfying about the like, was well, it a sport? Why the hell would you want to watch people play video games? And all this discussion is. It forces me to be aware of my own kind of pointless biases. Like if I defend video games as something that would be worth watching, just like any other game or sport that you enjoy, you might also enjoy watching. It's like what other pointless lines have I drawn in the sand that really only (laughs) exist in my mind? So there's kind of like this metacognition, self-reflective thing that discussions like these – force up in me and I always I'm like this is a valuable learning experience plus a billion dollars is a lot of money <laughs> yes I think there's there's some people that are like relieved that not Google bought it because they don't want them to own the video universe mm-hmm. but Amazon is also starting to own a video universe <laughs> yeah, I wonder is- if there'd be this much enthusiasm if Yahoo bought Twitch <laughs> Well, supposedly a lot of the uh, the commentary that I'm seeing is that Amazon is kind of making this like groundswell push into gaming where it's less overt 
because they obviously sell a lot of video games. They sell a lot of downloadable games, which people don't. They just released the Fire TV, which exactly. has a game controller. Yes, which has a dedicated <laughs> controller. And I think, like, when you think, okay, you're going to go and you're going to download a game on the internet, where do you buy it? Steam. Steam. <laughs> but there's a good chance you probably could have downloaded that same game from Amazon. Maybe not for the same amazingly, ridiculously low price, but the fact that Amazon is another place to buy DRM-free, most of the time, you know, downloadable full yeah. pc titles like that's a big deal um St- i love steam like i don't see them becoming evil anytime soon but competition is almost always a good thing so competition so this like twitch to me seems like the first really overt move because adding the fire controller or whatever the hell it's called the controller yeah. to the fire tv most people are like oh that's just gaming on android but now it's like, oh, well, maybe they're going to integrate Twitch into that. And yeah. now maybe gaming on Android will be this whole other thing. As long as they don't pull a dick move and like make Twitch suck on PlayStation and Xbox and regular PC. Yeah. Well, they, they got to keep it good on PC because that's well, yeah. the bread and butter. And that's also the way they sell games still. So this is one of the odd things about Amazon. Amazon Music works everywhere. Kindle books work everywhere. Amazon Video does not. Like, I don't know why. It's definitely not a technological limitation. Is it just licensing dicks in the media industry? I, that's very possible. I don't know if it's because there are some streaming devices. Like, I think Roku maybe has the Amazon Video but yeah, player. Yeah, they don't have a video player for iOS. Nope. Uh, the PlayStation does. Yeah. But Wii U does. But regular Android <laughs> does not. Yeah. Like I if I have a Kindle device, I can watch Amazon streaming video from my let's face it, Android device. But if I have any other kind of Android device, I can't. So it's definitely not a you know, I'll bet there's a hacked APK out there somewhere I could get. But anyway, it's, <laughs> there's Ooh. there's definitely no technological limitation and based on the presence they have on these different platforms, I would say a media restriction seems less likely. Like, if they can stream to a Kindle Fire, why can't they stream to a Nexus 7? Yeah, they can stream to something. Right. So I know media companies have lots of crazy rules. So it's hard to say for sure. But I I don't know why they're like that. But the long and short of that whole crazy thing was because most of their services are available everywhere, I wouldn't expect them to take something like Twitch, which is already everywhere, and then lock it down. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, Amazon Video never opened up, so it's, like, whatever. But to take Twitch and lock it down, I don't think would be a normal thing for them to do. I think what I'd like to see, yeah, I don't expect Amazon to do anything too evil to ruin Twitch. They do have a pretty good track record. I want to see Google just flip some switches for YouTube to be even more live stream friendly. Like, not just Hangouts on Air, but, like... Just release a little plug-in for the major desktop OSs that lets you stream whatever's happening on your screen. That would be neat. That would, in our day jobs, that would actually solve a lot of problems for us. <laughs> so if you could get on, you know, that actually makes me wonder if they'll ever incorporate something like that into Google Classroom. That's a discussion for a different podcast, but that is, I could see them doing that. Yeah. But it seems like sort of like... The internet was driven by porn. Like, gaming is the other thing that, like, (laughs) 
has driven like gaming PCs drive forward specs, and so like maybe gaming is driving live streaming much faster than a lot of other uses. Yeah, I think. I mean, porn. It, it's actually because I mean people always make that joke, but it's not a joke. A lot of what we take for granted. A lot on the of internet, physical formats for video were basically decided. <laughs> well, the thing that a lot of people, and I mean, I read this in some like expose about like the beginning of the internet as we know it. And the thing that I didn't realize that we almost entirely have pornography to thank pornography to thank on the internet is um, uh, business transactions. Because before that, nobody sold anything over the internet. Like you might have advertised a product, but then you sold it through a different channel. And the joke now is no one will pay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a wonderful. That's an Atlantis Morissette joke. Yeah, exactly. But that's I think like a, a huge part of the internet is being able to buy things like I hate going to a store when I can just be like Amazon send this to my house I get upset when a restaurant we want to order food from doesn't let me do it online and not talk to a human yep yeah so thanks porn (laughs) (laughs) but this is um, with Twitch it's I don't know. I I actually haven't used Twitch very much. I well, I've never streamed anything that I was playing, and I I haven't watched a lot. But I have watched a lot of you know live like people playing games in front of me, and I have watched YouTube videos of people gaming. So I don't have anything against Twitch. I just haven't really made use of it. What did you stream? Did you stream Final Fantasy fourteen or did you stream Assassin's a little bit Creed? of that and a little Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Did you ever finish that one? No. So it's just since two, it's just been like a rocket sled into the ground. No, four, (laughs) the new or black flag four is better than three. It's not as good as two, but I can also never get through two again. I tried to start two again. And I was just like, uh, one shot deal. To me, they're kind of like Ron Howard films. They're like really good (laughs) one watch films. Except for Apollo 13, you can watch as many times as you want. You're allowed. (laughs) I give you permission. So, yeah, I'll be very interested to see. What I would hate more than Amazon locking Twitch down is for them to just, like, let it stagnate and kind of go all, like, pre-recent history. But the way, like, Yahoo handled Flickr for a long time, it was just old and outdated and crappy. And, like, people loved it. Like, the interest was there. Yeah. And thank God for the photo-sharing community. They finally stepped up and were like, "Eh, we should probably do something with this. Otherwise, Facebook and Instagram and Google Photos are going to eat our lunch. And they, like, finally got their heads out of their asses. But I could believe Amazon doing something similar where they're like, yeah, maybe gaming's not as much. We shouldn't focus on that. Yeah. So, I I mean, when you spend a billion dollars, I don't know how you can just be like, whatever. (laughs) But I don't know. I'm not a multi-billion dollar company, so maybe I would think differently. Do you want to talk about Slack? Do we have time? How I, long have we been going? I think uh, 40 minutes, 35 hours. I don't know. <laughs> I always forget to look at the clock right when we start. I do want to mention, because I have to throw it in the show notes, and this might actually be its own little fun conversation, but I found through some other Twitter account, somebody retweeted something, and then that led me to a Facebook account, so there's like this rabbit hole of nonsense, but it's called Goldman Sachs Elevator. 
And <laughs> supposedly it's like a fake Twitter account where it's just like short little blurbs that are supposedly like overheard in the <laughs> business districts of New York. And there's one that I thought was really funny just because we've complained about this before. And it's the quote is, you should have to earn access to the reply all function on email. Yes. <laughs> and I just, I like the idea of, it's like once you have sent a certain number of useful communication to your coworkers, then you are given permission to reply all. And then uh, the other one, which is a little bit darker, is as a society, we've act- we're have we actually smarter than ever. It's just that technology has given a voice to the unsophisticated masses, which is really pessimistic. But I don't think it's entirely untrue because in in the early like 1900s, it was really popular for people to like publish their own newspaper and their own newsletter because they suddenly had this technology. They were like, Oh, I can write down whatever I think and share it with people. And I mean, just basic statistics would tell you that there's a large majority or a large chunk of people, not a majority, but a large chunk of people who have nothing valuable to say. (laughs) Then there's another chunk of people who only have some stuff that's valuable to say. And then you get increasingly smaller chunks where more and more of what they say is valuable and then I doubt there's anyone who's got like a perfect batting average. So, but it's like, yeah, I, you know, Twitter is a really, really high signal to noise ratio if you manage it well. But yeah. if you just followed every account on Twitter, you're, it would be awful, 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 awful. Yeah, just an incomprehensible mess. <laughs> just, just an incomprehensible mess. I just love mess. how quickly you dismiss it. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, it's just an incomprehensible mess. So I want to talk about Slack because I right. just think it's interesting. Okay. And I think we can keep riffing on email in response to it. That's true. See, I just gave you a second. Yep, That's all I did. Totally did. Um, so Slack is a rel- – I think it's only like six months old. It's pretty new. It's pretty new. Um, it's a tool for teams to communicate. You've seen a million of these, Basecamp and project management tools. But you mean this one, Campfire. Oh, yeah, Campfire. Which is gone. Which is act- – yeah, it's actually gone. So they're probably getting a lot of Campfire customers into Slack. But it's it's the new darling of the tech geek world for, for team collaboration and we're actually trying it out for our work, which we won't discuss, but <laughs> we can talk about Slack in the abstract. Um, I guess previously it's worth saying that we do a lot of collaboration over Google Hangouts just through normal IM. And what I like about IM is IM is a real third pillar, or I don't know what the three pillars would be. I guess face-to-face email <laughs> and something in between. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, there's a we've we've worn a nice trail that IM has a great place in a team. Yes, and that's nice when you have a few people you're chatting with or something like that. But when if you want to start thinking about a bigger team, maybe Hangouts isn't the greatest. Well, it's I think any traditional IM client like. Going way back yeah, to it's not Hangouts in particular. Yeah, but I mean, traditional IM clients are a lot like text messaging. Basically, you know, you can have a really successful one-on-one conversation. You can have a moderately successful small group conversation, yeah. and by small group, I mean like five or less. But once you get beyond that, it gets insane. Yes. And so Slack kind of slides right in. See the alliteration there, yeah. <laughs> and. 
duplicates a lot of the same IM feel. Like it's basically a chat client, but it has some little twist in that there's public channels and then there's private messages and then there's group private groups. And so you can sort of spread out the kinds of so I found that with our chat at work uh, without getting into any specifics that there was like I'm just complaining there was I really need an answer to this question about this topic or there was hey this interesting stuff's going on did you guys hear about this right it's not important this minute but you should probably know about it eventually and so hangouts was a, a bucket it was like a single channel that held all these different kinds of conversations and with Slack, you can split that out. You could be like, oh, here's an important work project-related development, and I'm going to put it in this public channel about that project. But when I just want to complain about something, I'll go to our group. Right. And I think it, I'm going to go ahead and mention it for you, but I think <laughs> one of the most important things that Slack has that I've decided all communication channels need is at mentions. Yes. <laughs> because... And this is the thing about Slack. So, like, if you're wondering, like, well, how is this different from regular chat chat platform? So, regular chat platform, you would monitor the conversation, and that's it. Like, you have to monitor the conversation. If you're not, then you don't know what's happening. With Slack, you can, and we're not sponsored by them, by the way, but we're totally open <laughs> to it. Um, <laughs> but with, with Slack, you can set so that you're only notified if you're at mentioned or if there are certain keywords. And that to me is really valuable because I don't just like, I don't want to be pestered by email all day. I don't want to be pestered by chat all day. So if I'm working on something, I'd like to not have to keep looking at my chat client. But if one of my coworkers needs me, they can say, you know, at David and then I get a notification. Yeah. It's like, oh, someone's actually, they need me. That's like, the thing right is now. email, unless you go to great lengths and have a, a very particular client, is pretty much monotone on its notification. It's you got an email. Yes. Or you didn't get an email. Yeah. Or <laughs> you have to painstakingly set up like filters and folders and things. And it's different. Like, you know, the way it's Gmail does it, the exchange does it. That. Exactly. And I mean, I think there's, I think I am, or Slack. It's it's basically an IM tool with some twists, but it, its implications in the way it does it is there's a whole class of email that I think doesn't need to be email. Yes. There's just short messages like, hey, can you send me this? Or, hey, what did we say about that? Yeah, which... And- that doesn't need a hello, Dr. Baba Blah, full <laughs> three paragraphs, salutations and... Yeah, and as much as I don't want to put email on a pedestal, I think the culture is there. You have to have a greeting. You have to have a closing. You have to have a signature. Whereas with IM, you don't. You just you have the content of your message, and that's it. And for business purposes, most of the time, the content is all that matters. Yeah. Well, especially for a team. You're already more informal with your team. You know each other. So you have the shorthand. You can just be like, blah, give me this. <laughs> <laughs> and... Then use email when it's like, oh, I'm reaching out to someone outside the organization. I'm going to have a professional right. tone until I know them well enough. <laughs> no, call him Bob, no matter what his name is or her name is. So anyway, and- Slack is really interesting. Um, well, and I mean, I have to to mention the bots because Slack's big thing, aside from the channels and notifications, which is awesome, is these integrations. 
And we haven't really gotten to play with this too much, but I've been looking at what some other people are doing, and I'm like, I want these <laughs> things. Like, I'm hungry to find reasons to do these things because you have uh, – so I first got exposed to this idea of chatbots um, extensively with uh, Hubot, or I think that's how you say it. I've only ever seen it written. H-U-Bot. Um, yeah. GitHub's thing. And it's uh, – I think it's for – either IRC or HipChat, whatever they use, maybe Campfire. But the point is this. You talk to Hubot in the chat the way you would talk to a person, but it's a bot that interprets your commands and does stuff. So the way GitHub has their setup is you can do things like deploy GitHub and it will actually like deploy the code in their master branch to their public website. It's like a little command line. Yes, but you can also do fun and stupid crap like play a random song on the speakers in the office and you know, they have music playing all the time and it will play a different song like one randomly. Um, you know, you can, I've seen examples where, you know, teams that go out and eat a lot. If they're in like a metropolitan area, they'll, they have a bot that has a list of restaurants that are nearby within maybe like a 10 minute walk. And they'll say like, where should we go to lunch? And it replies and it's like, today you should go to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's some of these things are, are, useful for work some of these things are just kind of like fun and stupid but all of them serve the purpose of improving culture and streamlining so things that on can the be topic of improving culture custom emoji <laughs> <laughs> yes so, so tell us about the hours you spent so i've already emoji. spent a significant <laughs> amount of time uh creating custom emoji so let me, let me just run down some of my favorites would be uh kefka laughing i think that one is my favorite. that might be the best one yeah. um, if you don't know who kefka is then i'm sorry you need to stop listening no please continue <laughs> listening learn who kefka is k-e-f-k-a um i got a couple mega mans mega man running mega man warping away um and so the fun of slack is uh is it something from irc they stole to the colon syntax for uh, I think that's just an emoji thing. Okay. So, yeah, you type colon, then you start typing letters, and it auto-completes emoji for you. Right. And so I can define exactly, like, all these different Mario emoji, like Mario dying, Mario flying, Mario floating. Yeah, um, and it, it's worth pointing out, if you've never thought about it, emoji are small. So these old 8- and 16-bit graphics... 8-bit a little better than 16-bit, but these old graphics translate really well to that scale because that's not that far off from the scale they were always at. Yeah, some of those, like I did a Super Nintendo Samus running, and it's like super tiny. It is. You can tell what it is if you know what it is, but otherwise it's It's like... It's just some running robot. Why is that little (laughs) orange thing jogging so fast? But I think one of my favorites also that I don't think has any real practical use in conversation is the 3D N64N spinning. (laughs) Yeah, no, that – you will have to work really hard to actually get that into a conversation. Because I think like the Mario dying one, like Mario shrugs when he dies in the original Super Mario Brothers, like, oops. So like that is totally useful in a conversation. Somebody's like, you know, Mike, why didn't you get this TPS report on my desk? You can reply with like – Oops, Mario. Yeah, or Mega Man warping <laughs> away. You, like, you want to run away, you want to yeah. escape, or if something's really fast, you use Sonic. Like, yeah, and this basically is, this is changing our communication. It is. And this is, uh, to, to be a little bit more high-minded about it for a minute, I've, you know, like most people in America, like my youth, I had 
crappy pedestrian jobs, but you learn valuable skills at those jobs, like how to deal with people you really hate because you have to work with them. And, you know, you then when you get into like slightly less pedestrian jobs, like you start to learn how to like navigate whatever your field of choice is. And I feel like eventually you need to get to a place where you're having an influence on the culture instead of just consuming your organization's culture, like you're trying to influence it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Slack is helping us do. And I mean other tools too, but like the custom emoji thing is like we get to kind of put some of like our character into this take, otherwise take very ownership mundane. Of it. Yeah. It's a, but I mean, otherwise chat is a very boring text tool. You know, it's yeah. like, Hey, where's this? Oh, it's over there. You know, when is this meeting? It's at 1130, whatever. So, but it's yeah. like with the emoji and like being able to kind of flavor and style it a little bit, like you get to ownership's probably the exact right word. Like you feel like this is my thing. Like yeah. I'm part of this. You put the posters on your office wall. It's my yeah. office now. Yeah. And I mean, studies have shown over and over and over that ownership and autonomy are more valuable to people than money. Once you make a certain amount of like money. once you, yeah, you cross yeah. some and, basic threshold and it's not nearly as much as you would think. It's like $32,000. <laughs> I mean, I know that, changes over time but it's like it's not like oh once you make half a million dollars a year like i do then all you care about is the hood ornament on your mercedes so we'll have to report back about slack but i think the other aspect that i'm interested in is that i don't think i mean i don't want to talk too much about work and i won't name any names (laughs) but there's like there's sort of a, a core team that loves to embrace stuff early adopters we were always diving in but there's always the question of will the wider, larger team be able to grok what's going on with this tool and will they embrace it? Will it actually impact the way we communicate with the whole team? And I don't know that Slack will do that, but I'm interested to try. Well, and I think – so to get away from naming names, <laughs> I think this actually – this puts us in an interesting position versus a lot of the tech companies we talk about on this show, which is like when we talk about, say, Comcast, I think one of the many times we ripped into them, you mentioned that they claimed they polled their customers and their customers said they didn't care about getting gigabit internet. Yeah. And the thing is – they may have spun that, but I doubt it was an outright lie. There's no, a really they probably good chance, did run a poll. Yeah, there's a really good chance a lot of their customers are like, I don't care, because but, they don't know any better. But that's one poll. And there's also the data, like every single place that Google Fiber goes, yeah. people switch in droves. Yes. <laughs> there's also, if you're asking someone who has three megs down, do they want a gigabit? They don't know what you're asking them. Yeah. It's like if you asked a blind person, like, how would you feel about seeing color? They're so like, basically, I don't know. We don't know the methodology. We don't know what question they asked. Right. But the point I'm getting to is eventually is like we as people who are using technology in business, not just people who use technology for person, like we have to not do the domineering like well email is good you know email ran this company for 40 years and it'll run it for another 40 like (laughs) sometimes there's a better solution sometimes people don't understand that a solution is better sometimes they do understand and they really just don't care they just don't want to change their habits yeah it's a difficult thing to navigate and you never want to fall into the like well this is what's best for you so i'm going to force you to do it because yeah. that's a bad company culture but i do <laughs> yeah i think even if we try slack and it fails 
it's still a worthwhile exercise to get people to try new things in an, like an honest college try. Yes. And not just we thrust this on you, deal with it, but like we'll gather feedback, we'll we'll actually do try to do it the right way. Yeah. And I think this is something like Google's pretty good at this, like they beta stuff. Um, I think Amazon dog foods a lot of their stuff in-house. So by the time it gets to us, it has been tested, even though we didn't really test it. Um, Comcast is terrible at this. If, <laughs> if, if Comcast or whoever, Time Warner, like if they ran fiber into your neighborhood and said, we're going to charge 50% more for it, they would suddenly make 50% more from probably all of their customers because once people see faster, you know, SSD life, like yeah. once you see faster, you new normal you, can't yeah, go back. Can't go back. Like high density, high PPI screens. Yep. Can't go back. Nope. Yeah. So I think that's it's we have to be aware of of that kind of like I don't know road we have to navigate um, because otherwise we're just giant hypocrites when we rip yeah. on these companies. <laughs> But I hope it works out with Slack because I'd like to see not just a few people embracing modern communicating, but that we can transform our culture. Right. With it was something like Slack. Maybe this is a stepping stone along the way, but it seems really cool. Um, I think I'm sort of amazed that I don't feel like I lost anything leaving Hangouts. Like I'm sure if we went back, I'd be like, "Oh, my old home." <laughs> and like, there's nothing really wrong with Hangouts. It does its job really tremendously well. Yes, I have zero complaints, but I just know no, that not true. It needs a standalone client. Yeah, it does need a native <laughs> app or something that's just not just a browser plugin. Yes, um, but that's not that big of a deal in practice. I can survive without it, but. Yeah, that somehow in Slack, I, I don't feel like I lost anything, even though it's a more complex, there's more going on. Like the core dialectic of our team <laughs> is still intact. We're still a bunch of jerks <laughs> joking <laughs> with each other all day. Yes. We're, I think we're very fortunate to have the, the kind of culture we have. Because um, I, I, I have no doubt that People within the sound of my voice right now are like, I hate my boss, I hate my coworkers, I hate what I do for a living, and that sucks. You should try and get out of that situation. Yeah. So, Mike, where can people find these show notes? Find the show notes at flippingtablespodcast.com slash 029. You can find me on the internet at pseudomichael.com. People can find me at lionsinbeta or lionsinbeta.com or plus David Lyons on Google+. Yep. That's it. Get out of here. <laughs> go no, back to work. You don't have to go home. But you can't stay here.